you know how many files are shared outside your organization? Do you know which of your groups or teams are actually being used? ShareGate's got your back. After helping thousands of customers move to Office 365, they have learned that the success in the cloud involves more than just migration. That's why they created ShareGate Apricot, an automated governance platform for Microsoft Teams and Microsoft 365 groups. ShareGate Apricot can help you answer questions like these without placing unnecessary restrictions on your users. With ShareGate Apricot, get full visibility across each team's lifecycle from creation all the way through archival. Automate manual tasks involved in identifying problem areas like inactive or orphan teams. Collaborate with team owners on corrective measures to keep your teams tidy and secure. That's also why they've combined ShareGate Desktop, their trusted migration and content management tool, with ShareGate Apricot in a single subscription so that you have everything you need to be successful in the Microsoft Cloud. Hello, it's Brett here, and I'm with Rob and Sandy at the moment, and maybe Stephanie a little bit later on. So how are you doing, Rob? Man, I am doing absolutely amazing today. The um, the, the schools in my uh, county got out two hours early, so it's about 3 p.m. here. The kids have been home for about two hours now. Um, for tornadoes, so it looks like they're we're having some bad weather coming soon. <laughs> and and Tennessee is actually number we're number one in the nation for nocturnal tornadoes, which are the ones that happen when you're asleep at night. So I don't like those because you're typically sleeping in your bed, and uh, all of a sudden a tornado comes through and you wake up in Oz or something. I don't know how that works, but it's it's typically pretty bad. I, I like to be the daytime so you can at least see them coming. But uh, but yeah, we're we're good here. The weather's weather's good. We're getting ready to go on spring break. Um, so we're gonna head down to the beach for a couple of days and uh, just try to relax a little bit. That's cool. And you're off to uh, Key West, right? We are going to Key West. That is correct. It looked like we we were originally gonna go to Miami, um, but we we found some places in the Keys, and it looks like Miami is just absolutely off the rails right now. So bad that they've had to put a curfew in. Uh, I think everything shuts down at like 8 p.m. in Miami, which is crazy. <laughs> Just make sure you got those margaritas and the key lime pie lined up, and you're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I figure, I figure we, we, then. <laughs> we, we're staying on kind of a little compound there in Key West, so even if we get locked down in our hotels at 8 p.m., we'll, we'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So we have Sandy on the show, who's used to traveling a little bit, Hello. and uh, that's really the, the whole uh, episode tonight. So, so Sandy, go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Sandy Yusia. I'm Sandy Yu on Twitter. I work with Brett. Uh, that's how I know these guys. Um, I am currently based in Northern California, Humboldt <laughs> County, where we do not have tornadoes. But yesterday we had a tsunami a warning alert. <laughs> not that we were having a tsunami, <laughs> but it's all the action. It's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But they were testing the system, so we do have them. And we're, I can walk for 15 minutes to get to the beach, and um, that's where the tsunamis would come from. <laughs> now, but I've, any, been the, I've been to the beach in Northern California, and that is, that's a very cold beach. <laughs> it is, yes, yes. You can't go swimming in them. I mean, people surf, but obviously they're wearing wetsuits and things. And yeah, they're, but they're beautiful, yeah, with um, big black rocks jutting out and coastal redwoods towering 300 feet into the sky and <laughs> things mm. like that. So it's, yeah, it's hard, pretty hard to beat. So we've kind of been stuck here for a year now. It's been a year since I arrived 
lived in Northern California and um, haven't been able to go anywhere because of pandemic, but there are worse places. <laughs> and, well, you know, uh, I, I, you, our, our you, daughter you, lives here, which is why we came. Oh, very nice, very nice. You, you know, and, and I, well, I know you did a, a session last year at Ignite uh, back when we could all go to these right. things called conferences, right? About right. kind of the, being the the, the the nomadic life and and being able to travel and 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 stop at different places and do your work and be you know tremendously successful at doing that. How is um how has COVID really impacted that? Because I know that was very much a part of your um your your kind of inner uh well what's the word here aura Existence. right of, of, of the the way that you really enjoyed living you know yes. living your life is to be able to travel and do this thing and COVID probably blew all that up right yes. and, and yep. what, what is yep. that what has that been like for you because I'm sure that's impacted your well being to some to, to some extent. Yes, yes, I would say so. I'm getting pretty antsy to be able to to travel again. This is the longest that we've been in one place, obviously, since we left home, which was in 2015, uh, is when we sold our house and all of our stuff. Um, but so luckily we found, so when we came out here, we we found one apartment uh, on, uh, wasn't Airbnb, but a uh, uh, service anyway. And um but it was really noisy. So we found this other apartment that's nearer to our daughter's house. Anyway, we can walk there if we want to. It's about a mile. Um, and it's a nice two bedroom apartment. And we just kept on extending, extending the the rental with the, with the landlord as things kept on being locked down. You know, at the beginning we thought, oh, it'll be a couple months or something and then we can be on our way, but no. <laughs> so yeah, we just haven't felt comfortable in traveling, even if we were legally allowed, you know, we haven't been comfortable to travel someplace else. And then, and then at the beginning of this year, we decided, well, we'll stay here until we get our vaccines and then we'll travel. Um, but then our son and his wife decided to come out here to visit in July from DC. And so we'll stay here for that so we can see them. And so, so now the current plan is that we would travel again at the end of July and actually go to Florida because uh, we're supposed to house sit for my sister who lives in Naples. Oh, Florida's full open. You won't have any problems. Getting oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. And my mom, that's where my mom lives now too, uh, in Naples, Florida. So we'll get to see them for a month in August and then don't have a particular plan after that yet. So it'll depend on COVID and where we're allowed to travel, like how Europe is doing, because <laughs> that would be my preference is to go from there to Europe, uh, mm. England and the rest of so Europe. I, I have a question for Rob, actually. So, uh, so, so with your, your household and all your belongings, how many trucks would it take if you needed to go somewhere with all of your stuff? Well, it depends on the size of truck. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true SharePoint guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pick up trucks, quite a few. A, a big, a big uh, semi lorry. I, I think it might be uh, uh, one, maybe. <laughs> oh, <all right. laughs> that's not as bad as I thought. Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can uh, pack up my whole stuff in 20 minutes into my carry-on bag, and I'm off. <laughs> that's cool. 
That's yeah, so, so what's what's in the carry-on bag? I mean, apart from you, you there's some things you don't need to mention, but... <laughs> um, well, one time I remember I counted, I counted the pieces of clothing that I had, and it was 29. And of those, I think, uh, like, 12 were related to SharePoint. <laughs> like, like, SharePoint t-shirts and socks and things. <laughs> but, um, uh, so it's probably a little bit more than that now. So, yeah, shoes, uh, like, three pairs of shoes, which is silly to carry around that many shoes when I, that's all the space I have but uh, I need like well I mean I usually am wearing a pair when we're traveling so I wear I wear all my heaviest things and put the lightest things in the, in the suitcase and and then I've got my laptop bag which is the one from Ignite so that's got all my electronics and and stuff but um uh yeah like I don't carry any sorts of um like shampoos and soaps and all that kind of stuff because there's always that where you go <laughs> and um yeah just no real belongings I, I mean part of the problem with now having been here a year is we've accumulated things every time we're any place for like more than a month no matter what you do you accumulate stuff so now I've got a cupboard full of spices and you know things like that. So I'll just. Do, do you carry me. like a? Do you carry a like a favorite coffee mug or anything with no, you? And what's no, it? Nothing. No, so nothing. No, you just no. uh, you just go with it. Yeah, it just totally depends on what is available in the house we land in, <laughs> and you know everything else is completely electronic. So um, you know I can't carry books around and things. So it's all got to be in the cloud or you know in Kindle on my phone or whatever. So, yeah, <laughs> so I'll just hear from here. I'll leave a lot of stuff with my daughter and I'm trying to decide, you know, like I bought an Oculus um, since I've been here and I'll have to see if I have enough stuff I can jettison to fit that into my luggage or if I'll have to leave that here, too. <laughs> I feel like it's it's I'm a backpacker and I feel like it's ultra like backpacking yeah. for for like real life. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not I mean, it's not like packing for a vacation where you can only go through all your clothes once, for example, like I'm always under the assumption that I'll be able to do laundry. And that's, you know, one of our criteria for choosing a place to stay is that it's got to have laundry facilities. And and then I find, you know, we wear the same things like so now I've been wearing the same clothes for a year, the, the same five things or whatever, which Brett probably can speak to. I don't even notice actually. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> But uh, but then it wears out like you just from wearing and washing. You don't usually get that with clothes, but eventually they just wear out. And so then then I have to buy a cloth. <laughs> but usually I buy them at the secondhand shop anyway. And I was going to say you, you have a thing where you go somewhere new, you buy from a, a secondhand shop and then you uh, you return it, it to the secondhand shop. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've done that like I like when I was in England for Christmas the one year and went to the lightning tools Christmas do. I don't carry around a spiffy little Christmas dress <laughs> so I went and got one at the charity shop and then I turned it back into a different charity shop because we were in a different city <laughs> this is this is again another reason I don't think I can like do this life because there you're an average size human I am not <laughs> so, so there are not many like, like I can't find pants in a new shop <laughs> you know, yeah, that's like, true. and that's true one of your one of your pairs of trousers might fit in my pack so. yeah, yeah you could use like one of my pant legs as like a sleeping bag or something I don't know man <laughs> 
Great. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, you're employed by Lightning Tools. <laughs> and uh, so but, thank but, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we just working, but I mean, as far as you know, pretend uh, you don't work with me for a moment. <laughs> so, as, as far as your, your job is concerned, and you know, how can you see that working for for anybody else that mm. wants to sort of join the nomad life? Uh, well, as long as it can all be done remotely, and you don't mind maybe odd hours, if you, depending on what time zone you end up in, because that's what a lot of there are tons of websites dedicated to people living this way, um, uh, location independent lifestyle type things and um so there are lots of opportunities for completely remote work yeah as long as it can all be done remotely what's the difference where you are i was working remotely for lightning tools for a year you know several years before we went nomad and so it's really no different other than the time zone switching <laughs> you know the, the, the and, since, and, since, your, yeah. since your session at, at at ignite though i mean what you were talking about ignite was so progressive at the time right i mean <laughs> A lot of there was a lot of remote work. I, I haven't worked in an office in many years, but the majority of the world did not work that way, right? right? And definitely not the right. way you work, and right? Where you just move around and stuff like that. So the world has actually changed in a more, um, you know, a more supportive way to live the kind of life you 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 do, right? To 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 kind of just move and and be anywhere. And I know there's a massive influx of people uh, moving to my city here in Nashville mm -hmm. from yep, a lot like, of people have, have done that. Are, yeah, that, that, that are moving out. But I mean, they're moving and buying houses. That's not what you do or whatever. But yeah. it's it's interesting to see, you know, the shift. And I'll bet over the next five years will be really telling for, you know, will people go to this full, hey, I'm going to move out to the countryside and, and live there or I'm going to just live wherever I land and, you know, I'll move around like you do. Um, so I wonder if, if, if this is going to be like a trend that the world is different now. And even though we're all getting, you know, starting to get vac vaccinated and 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 seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and potentially going back into offices, what does that world look like when we do go back? You know, I don't know that it's going to be really the same. I don't think it's going to be the same at all. I think it's going to be radically different. Um, you know, and, and but I think it's going to be very much people are going to have the option to live the kind of life mm -hmm. you live, and I think that's amazing. Mm, yeah, and then I've seen that a lot in uh, comments and newsletters and things that I get that there are people who have just started. I mean, it's been difficult, obviously, in this past year to actually be nomadic because you're not supposed to be traveling around, <laughs> but but going someplace else and working for sure. Yeah, I've been thinking to myself a lot lately what things will remain because I think some things we've found we could do that make things better you know during this past year and it will be would be better going forward too so um i think i think a fair number of things will stay even with like the way businesses operate some of the things they've had to do are better probably like the all the qr codes on menus even and things like that it just makes things easier in a lot of ways mm. so one of the uh the sort of realtor uh, sites that we have over here or estate agents is uh, it's called Rightmove. Um, so it's rightmove.co.uk. And uh, yeah, that, that's like the biggest one. I, I guess a similar sort of thing over there is Zillow or something like that. Mm -hmm. Is it? So um, yeah, the, the, the most searched for area is Cornwall at the moment, oh. which 
Yeah, so, so, so people in London and, and so on are looking to, you know, work remotely from, from Cornwall. <laughs> and one of the just, problems it's is... It's like farms, and, you know, it's like out in the way no, in the coast, middle of the coast. coast. <laughs> yeah, so it's coast all the way around. There's beautiful little uh, coastal towns and, and so on. But one of the challenges that they're facing is that that's already starting to drive up the prices. Mm. And the people that live in Cornwall that are fishermen <laughs> so can't afford to buy these yeah. houses now because uh-huh. they're being outpriced from the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we're starting to see, I mean, we were up in the Lake District uh, in October, I think it was last year, uh, just before the lockdown. And uh, yeah, a lot of the, the homes for sale around that area were, you know, they, they actually said, this is for sale, but only if you've lived in the Lake District for the last 20 years and you can prove oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting take, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I'm assuming Londoners aren't coming there to fish professionally. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean, it would change the whole area. Yeah. If- you know, everybody's just going there to uh, to work remotely for their company in London <laughs> or whatever. It's, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy stuff. But mm. um, yeah, I guess I mean that that's probably happening on a, on a bigger, bigger scale over there, where people from New York and places that you know could maybe afford an apartment in New York can now afford a four or five bedroom house with a pool in Florida. <laughs> right. Although I was reading recently that so there was this mass exodus from New York City to Florida, um, but uh, then they realized, oh, it's Florida, and so they're moving back. <laughs> I was reading that somewhere. <laughs> some, well, I forget one, some newsletter in the Times. I think it was in the New York Times. Well, because we're, they we're missed seeing, the city. <laughs> yeah, we're we're seeing we're seeing people coming in and like listing their house, and then before it even hits like a Zillow site or something like that they would have had three offers and then mm. the people start bidding against each other. So mm, you'll list a house for, you know, whatever, $200,000 and you might sell it for 450 mm. cash. Where somebody's like, oh, I'll give you this. I'll give you that. And they start bidding it up. And they're like, I'll just write you a check right now. Boom. And so yeah. like, it's, it's been really, so I, I don't know, like I couldn't afford to live here. <laughs> now, I, I mean, it's, for what houses are going for, there's no freaking way I would buy a house here right now. <laughs> you know, so even if we sold our house, we couldn't live in a in an area like this for for really what we uh, what we sold it for. <laughs> right? Yeah. Which I've been is hearing good. that about Seattle too. I've got a friend who's house hunting in Seattle, and he said he just can't. And they look at houses, and by the time the end of the day, that it's bid up so high that it's way out of reach. <laughs> So Sandy, your your focus, other than you know, while while you're 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 <laughs> rolling around the countries, uh, you know, I say countries because you're not ever in the same country usually, uh, you know, a lot of times, um, is is the power platform, and that that's an that's an interesting um set of work that that's that's kind of really really, I don't want to say it's taking off, I think it's taken off, I, it's I think hot, it's a yeah. pretty big. Um, you know, a hot commodity right now. So what um, what's really your focus around around the uh, the power platform uh, spectrum and and what what are you seeing as far as like trends? Uh, well, my focus, so power platform consists of four parts, the power apps, power automate, power BI, and power virtual agents. Um, and my focus has been power apps and power automate since they came out in preview. I started speaking on those topics back in 2016. Um, and I would say my specific focus within that, because 
just like SharePoint, it's a pretty huge area. And as more and more people use it, there's more specialization of, you know, people who are expert in things. So I would say that um, kind of my wheelhouse is people just starting out in Power Apps or Power Automate and explaining what they're all about and how to get started with them, how to use the basics and get things done that really help uh, make your life easier to, you know, from the beginning and make it as easy as possible, not complicated, <laughs> and, which is kind of the whole premise of Enlightening, then the company that Brett and I founded to to coach people in that and, you know, help people either get started or get, you know, a little further down the road with whatever they're doing. What do people typically struggle with when they're getting started with, with Power Apps and the power, in, in power Automate? Some is just mindset like they see this thing and they see the in either case the kind of design canvas and don't know what to do with it like it looks complicated it looks like you've got to know so part of what I really try to do is show that it's not all that complicated. It's got, you know, they've both got kind of simple building blocks that you can use and do some functional things without um, getting too complex. So I would say that's one is just mindset. And then um, probably anytime you get into things like expressions and formulas and stuff like that, people get a little bit scared away. But there are lots of examples on the internet. <laughs> and um, and they're getting closer to the same sort of syntax that you would use in Excel, for example. And a lot of people are used to that. Uh, some aren't, but a lot are. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that, um, and I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not blowing the lid on anything. I think it was announced with the new Power FX uh, language. Right, that was at Ignite, yeah. Yeah, at Ignite and everything. So, so I think, I think they're the. I feel like just from my perspective that the Power Platform is constantly changing and it's yes. evolving at a very rapid rate. Uh, yes. You know, faster than than really anything we saw on prem, obviously, mm -hmm. and and even faster to a certain extent than SharePoint itself in the cloud and, and Teams and all of that. I think this, the evolution of this stuff is happening at a real, like I feel like that every time I log on, there's something new happening, you know, or something different. And, <laughs> I and, read and somewhere I today, it's uh, Oxford University is one of the biggest users of Power Apps in the world, apparently. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I don't know where that's like that. <laughs> oh, huh. yeah, it's, it's, I've it's, never it's, seen a case study with them. <laughs> Well, what types of apps do you see people, you know, really starting to build on this and kind of what data sources are they using? Um, and, and then we'll get into licensing a little later, but, you know, what, what types, because licensing is its own beast and I'm, nobody's an expert, <laughs> but, but so let's focus on what types of apps you see people building. Um, you know, what problems are they trying to solve? I would say a lot of it is... Um as far as apps go, would be things like data entry, you know, trying to make a, a good user experience for entering some kind of data into somewhere, <laughs> whether the data source is a SharePoint list, which is probably the easiest one to get started with, I would have to say, but obviously not super scalable. Um, and then from there, then they might use Dataverse, which formerly known as Common Data Service. Um, and that's kind of where Microsoft is trying to push everybody. But then that does require a premium license of anything. Yep. <laughs> Unless you're using it in Teams, which then doesn't. So. Yeah, the, the, the Teams thing kind of concerns me a little bit. And this is just me, um, you're looking at it from a very large scale right, of, of right, right. users using it, is, is that um, here's my concern with the Teams is that um, so when you spin up a Power Apps thing or whatever it's called in Teams, 
what happens on the power platform side of things is that a new environment gets created that's mm -hmm. associated with that team and it's the mm -hmm. same name as that team. Um, managing all of those environments, right? As you like, we've mm -hmm. got 400,000 teams, 500,000 mm -hmm. teams or something like that uh, currently active in my environment. And mm -hmm. I know there's an upper limit of those, right. those environments, right? So right. I, I, I know that that's going to be supported, but I don't know that it scales enough to, to our level right. or if somebody, you know, if 10% of the people that, that are using teams right now say, Oh, what's this, this power, mm -hmm. you know, power virtual agent or whatever that turns that on, then we're out of space, you know, it's, we've already hit capacity of all that. So, yeah. so it's, it's um, there's, there's a, uh, there's a thing that concerns me about that. Do you, do you see that as a concern? I mean, and I don't know we're, we're, we're uh, on the larger side of, of, of things, but is that a concern for like normal people? Do, do, like, is that something you're seeing is like, uh, like, is, is uh, what I see a lot of people talking about that. Yeah. I mean, people who are with smaller organizations than Deloitte. <laughs> so, yeah. um, uh, so yeah, because they also are running into that sort of end capacity limits and things, which I am afraid I don't know a whole lot about specifics on. But um, but I well, do see a lot of talk well, the, about that. The government's that. too also of, of you know applying, mm -hmm. making sure that the data policies are being applied applied correctly to all these new environments, so that you know if there's a limit on connectors or you only want to mm -hmm. use this. I mean, there's there's a whole like management thing behind the scenes that mm -hmm. uh, I believe it was last year at Ignite when they released the preview of this, and I was just in the Power Platform Admin Center, and I was like, "What in the world is happening with all these new environments?" We we had it on. We had to turn it off explicitly, but we had it on for about nine hours and there were like 95 oh. new environments that popped up oh, like wow. that. nine environments or nine <laughs> okay. hours nine hours so it was like nine hours we had 95 environments so we were getting a tremendous amount of curiosity around it oh interesting <laughs> yeah yeah so for someone like you that's definitely a concern and i am not sure what the answer would be because you i mean the whole idea of the power platform is empowering users to be able to make their own jobs easier but for a well really any size organization you've got to have some kind of governance to, so that people at the very least aren't reinventing wheels that were already invented by somebody else or or you know doing things that are against company policy and all that sort of thing. So, I mean, for smaller organizations, what they do a lot of times is let people have at it, but then um, administrators get notifications of that and then they go talk to the people and make sure, get them training and make sure that they're doing everything up do, to. Do, do, do you do much with the the Power Platform um, Center of Excellence toolkit? Is Do you see that? I being have not out? personally, but I know a lot of people do use that. Yeah. And you can expand on that too. Like I know um, Paul Comsey has done a lot with, with extending that to, to have like, um, risk uh calculations on on apps like what you know how mission critical are they versus how uh extensively used are they and and things like mm. that to to try to to get some measurement of which things are most important to look at 
if that makes sense. It does. It does. No, absolutely. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's, it's something I think that if you're, if you're doing it at scale, you almost have to look at doing the, uh, the, the toolkit on top, which is like, mm -hmm. there's some Azure infrastructure you've got to set up and you've got to mm -hmm. deploy this, um, this big uh, set of tools from GitHub and it's, they're really great, but it does require an extra effort. It's not just owned by default and it's, it's kind of mm -hmm. a, a separate thing, but it's really, really great stuff. If, if, um, if you need to, I, I just wanted to, I wanted to mention that just because I, I, we're finding value in that. Mm. Uh, just, just, you know, as so we you start are seeing, using that. Mm. Yeah. 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 So as we, as we're starting to see, you know, different power apps and, and, and flows pop up, you know, which ones are being more used or anything that, you know, kind of highlights a risk or just because mm -hmm. the, the tools that you get from out of the box, the analytics tools are, are really good, you know, and they're evolving as well. So they're, they're, they're changing. They're completely different now than they were when we first lit up yeah. our platform, you know, so, but so they're really good and they're starting to incorporate a lot of the stuff that the COE toolkit does, but this, the toolkit extends those, those out of the box reports. It gives you a little more depth of analysis in there yeah. because it does pull from the, uh, from the, uh, event logs and starts really right. doing some some mm. crawling like that. Mm. But I'm yeah, yeah, it's it's good stuff. What is um when you say that there is a, an a, to use the dataverse or let's just say maybe like an HTTP connector, or a premium connector or something mm. like that. And you say there's an additional license fee. Mm. What does that mean generally? Because I, I don't know that there's 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 information about it. And it's 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 a big cloudy mess when you try to really <laughs> talk about it. But what does that mean? Because I know there's there's a license that that, that we're trying to really keep keep in bounds mm. uh, for our users, which comes with E3, right? We're we're on the mm -hmm. E3 version of Office 365. Okay. You get Power Apps and Power Automate for E3. Right. Um, right. It just comes with that, which basically means that you can use Power Apps, you can use Power Automate as long as your data essentially resides within the bounds of Office 365 itself. So right. you want to send an email, you want to update a SharePoint list, you want to you know, write a new Excel document to this location or whatever. As long as you're doing things like that, you're absolutely covered. Right. Now, once you move beyond that, Tell me what yeah. what I what I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> right. So used to... credit card out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it depends. <laughs> um, it depends on the on the scenario. So um, for both Power Apps and Power Automate, those are the ones that I'm most familiar with. Um, the uh, there's a per so for Power Automate, there's a per flow license and a per user license. So you would need either one of those. So it just depends on whether you've got a flow that is going to be used by a lot or few people you know, that might determine whether or not you go with the per user. I don't recall the prices uh, versus a per per flow. So if you've got a really big extensive flow that's used by everybody, then you it would probably be more cost effective to buy, I think you buy five flow licenses in a package or something, if I recall correctly. So then it's probably more cost effective to do that. Or I, as far as I know, you could probably do a combination. So it just depends on the use cases of those uh, flows. And same then it's similar for apps. There's a per app license and a per user license. So it depends on which way those are, you know, if you've got a very small use case app that only a few people are using, then maybe per user is fine. But if it's something that everybody's using, then you probably want to license it for that app. And, yeah. and they kind of work together, I think, in a solution as well. Well, when you, when you license per app or per flow, that, that includes all of the 
premium connectors if you, if you wanted to use yes. that so that everybody yes. using the app doesn't have to have that that advanced license or the plan to whatever they call it now you know, they don't call license. it plan two anymore but, but yeah yes, yeah I'm, I, I'm legacy i'm old school yeah. So mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and but, uh, uh, kind of a little tricky thing is that for example sql is premium uh data source which i think a lot of people were surprised at because that is microsoft but then so is dataverse as well so really the only data source that's not premium is sharepoint so let me let me ask you this and th this was a conversation that came up um on twitter uh which i'm rarely on twitter and when i do i always find little nuggets like this and i was having a conversation with uh tasha scott and tasha mm -hmm. is a community I know, tasha. uh person yeah from Tasha's she, the whole she, reason she, why sunday yep. joined to us. Yeah. she, she <laughs> introduced really? me to brett yeah. yeah no kidding wow yeah. well, that's uh, okay we need to have her own because i've got a bunch of questions for her but, <laughs> but anyway so um so the um so so tasha was was posting on 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 um Twitter that uh, basically a job posting that came up and it had basically, I think they were looking for some type of power platform person and it had a bunch of different other skills, you know, that, that you wanted on there. And, you know, it was basically like, you know, three, the gist of it was, it was like three or four different people that they were trying to cram into one person, hire that oh. person and pay them a, a fairly low wage. Right. So oh. anyway, we, we went back and forth of that. And, and I was wondering, you know, what skills are important for a power platform person? Because my opinion is that you need to know the basic skills, the in and outs of, of flow and, and, and power apps, you know, no matter what, right. but beyond those, beyond those realms, right? So mm -hmm. beyond that, you can create an app, you can create some workflows behind it and all of that. You know, I, I think it would be good because from my perspective, it's also good to figure out how other systems are wired up, right? Mm -hmm. It might be tremendously beneficial and provide a lot of value if you have also programmed in C-sharp, right? So do you know how to do an Azure function? Do you know how to wire this to, can you connect to a SQL Server database or can you connect to um, SAP, right? Mm -hmm. Outside of the bounds of the connectors to do some real custom work. Now, to deliver, I, I, I'm just looking at, does that matter or is that something you're seeing that, that just, you know, there's other people that do that. We can just talk to those people and, and get that stuff done or does it matter? Because I'm really, I'm genuinely curious as to what, what it means to be, when you say you're a power platform person, right? Um, where does the boundary stop? Because you've never been able to be like, I'm just a SharePoint administrator mm -hmm. or I'm just a SharePoint developer, right? If you're a SharePoint administrator, you also had to be a SQL administrator. You also had to be an well, Azure. Or, you know, actor. <laughs> right, right. Well, right, so, but so I mean, I'm thinking about from the on-prem world, right? But yeah, I don't right. think, my, my opinion is that I don't think if you're a power platform person, you can't just be focused strictly on the power platform rules or, or, or rules or, 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 or tools, I guess, rather, um, rather than, you know, not having a more, a more breadth of skills. Now, mm. please prove me wrong. I hope I'm wrong, <laughs> you know, but, and, and it's okay if you tell me I'm just flat out, Rob, you're wrong. Just stop saying stuff like that. <laughs> am I wrong? Am I wrong that it's, it, 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 it can power platform people just be power platform people or does it, does it, does it, require other skills outside of that bound those boundaries so i'd, I'd like to just chip in there if that's all right <laughs> just sure well, because um actually, actually based on what you've just said um the last month i've been onboarding uh a, a new guy in in lightning tools and also doing some training with somebody that started not so long ago and uh we've been doing a lot of training across our product range on microsoft 365 and then i've switched it to doing the same training on the same products for 
SharePoint on-premises. And it's like... Which we do still support. Yeah. And it's like, okay, DeliverPoint. So I've taught you how to use DeliverPoint. That's all you need to know. But actually, DeliverPoint on-premises, you need to know how to like install a SQL database. You need to know about connection strings. You need to know, <laughs> you need to know about timer jobs. You need to know about service accounts. <laughs> and so and it's completely different. And it, it only dawned on me when I was actually delivering that training. It's like, yeah, now we only need to know actually how to use the app <laughs> to support our customers. So mm -hmm. I think yeah. that's yeah. Kind of the same thing with Power Apps, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I mean, it does depend on like if the if you're going into an environment that where you know you've got to be able to connect to SQL, then yes, you're going to need to you need to know the ins and outs of SQL and how how all the tables and views and everything work and keys and and every and being able to write back and and all of that but if you're but that that part's pretty easy i mean if that's what you're connecting to or dataverse is easy enough to learn about so if those are you know your basic data sources but if you are want to need to get into writing custom apis or something like that to to have a custom connector then yeah you need a little bit of maybe development skill, although there's a wizard for that too. So I don't think it's, that's even all that difficult unless it gets super tricky for some reason. But um, I think most of what you would need to do in the Power Platform, you wouldn't need to have a whole lot of background skills in. You definitely wouldn't need to be a developer. I'm not a developer. Um, I mean, that's the kind of the whole point of it. And if there are bits of actual code, like not just semi-code but actual code that need written then there are that is the opportunities to for actual developers to to extend that but um to be a power platform person as you say i think doesn't require further technical skills than the power platform but i would say it might require skills around figuring out what the business actually needs and wants, those would be additional skills, I would say, besides the technical power platform skills. Knowing, you know, if you're asked to create a power automate flow to do something, you need to have some business type background to understand what's reasonable, I think, and, and what are some of your options. So just conceptually, I think you need some conceptual and logical thinking skills <laughs> to be able to create an effective and efficient app or flow. The mm. first thing that occurred to me when I, I opened up the can of uh, Dataverse was uh, yeah, the, the table structure and, and so mm -hmm. on. And, and that has got to play a part of this. So, you know, referential integrity, building <laughs> the joins between tables and things like that. Unless you've got a database background, I think that that could be challenging you're going to end up with a lot of applications that just have a flat table structure mm. <laughs> and so on mm, see, that's I, a good point too. I, I see it trending towards um access right i mean not more scalable than microsoft access but mm. still access was always that kind of small end user type application platform right that that mm -hmm. You, know, you could roll out an application that scaled to multiple people. It had databases, but you know, if somebody didn't know what they were doing, you could obviously not have any relationships in the tables and all that and stuff. But, but I mean, I think we're trending more towards that than anything, right? To where 
a lot of this is is kind of all encompassing, and and it is a um, thing that's trending towards that type of development, but able to scale out and be able to you know scale across devices and geographies mm. and you know all this. I mean, it's a massive difference, but fundamentally, it's it, it seems very similar to me. Mm-hmm. Is, is you know as you in, insert the um, you know, you know, power apps would be like access forms and mm-hmm. you know, power automate would be, I guess, like uh, you know, access macros or something, you know, and then, <laughs> yeah. and then like the dataverse would be like the tables in access, right? And mm-hmm. then you've got the reports and things like that. Um, so, so, I mean, th- there's, there's a lot of things that are mimicking very similar across to do that access world. At least, you know, I've, I've been doing this for a long time. So at least, you know, and, and Brett and I sat in an access dev kitchen one time. And they're, yeah. oh, I do you got to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> you had to, I had to work that in somehow. But the, um, but the uh, you know, we, we sat in an access dev kitchen one time and it, you know, the, at the time, um, I mean, there were a lot of people making a lot of really cool apps mm-hmm. um, with access and, and I think the power platform really takes that idea and makes it generally available to to really make a, a, a big impact across your company, right? Mm-hmm. Where access seemed to be more pocketed. Hey, this team is doing that. This because you mm-hmm. could it would only scale to like five or ten users, maybe up to fifty if you were lucky. But you know, mm-hmm. power apps and power automate goes way beyond that, right? You can right. you can scale it up to to a tremendous amount of users mm-hmm. very quickly with with very you know very little like dev knowledge or anything like that right, like you said right. if you have business knowledge which is what's important you can almost immediately be successful with right. reading apps for yourself yeah and i think it's important too uh, and another difference between power apps for example and access is the mobile device support i mean we never had to support mobile devices before but now that everybody uses them uh, there has to be a way to to do everything you need to do on your phone and you can then with power app both power apps and power automate mm. i think sql 2005 had the notification services that rob could use for sending sms messages and so on but totally oh, i love my sms <laughs> <messages>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that one was there for Spence. Yeah. <laughs> he can pick up on that. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the 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 other questions we've had. Um, how do you, if I were to just start uh, wanting to learn this stuff and, and starting to, to, or even if I have some skills and I want to enhance those, what are some ways that I can go about learning about as much about the Power Platform as I can in very short notice? Probably need some coaching, I would say. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, is there a firm available that can help me? I guess. Is the... <laughs> well, uh, in fact, yeah. So there are several different methods, and so one thing is that there are lots of good training courses out there that that you can go on. Like, um, I, I don't know if you guys typically drop names in your podcast yes. here, but <laughs> recently I've tried. Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, or or like uh, Shane Young has a really good uh, Power Apps um, course, um, and I think Laura Rogers does as well, and also with Power Automate. Uh, so you can go on a training course. Um, um, that would be one way. Uh, you can obviously hire consultants to do things for you, but if you're trying to learn it yourself. But that's how the whole concept of um, Enlightening came out about the, that I was seeing, people that I was working with. So I had set up some micro jobs that that platform no longer exists. But in um, Collab 365, they had these micro jobs where you could 
you know, give an hour or sell an hour of your time for, for various things. And I had put on there an hour of just getting started with Power Apps or Power Automate, which included, you know, a list of resources, places to go, people's YouTube channels that were really especially good, uh, spe blogs that you should especially read and things like that. Um, but then uh, what worked the best for people in that area was if they had a specific thing that they wanted to do, like they didn't just want to, and, and this is true for most people I find, that they don't just want to learn the whole thing. They have something they would like to do <laughs> with uh, with a flow or with a power app, and but they don't know how to get started or they don't know where to turn to, to find out how to do that thing. And so that's where coaching comes in. So I had been doing that before, prior to Enlightening anyway, um, but I was seeing that that was a really big demand for the people didn't necessarily want to learn everything about it, go on a training course and learn everything, but they mm. wanted to learn their thing <laughs> and, and then be able to go on from there. And so, um, so we think that that's a really good method is, um, is having something that, and I would say the same thing for SharePoint, to be honest, that's how I learned SharePoint. I had some things I wanted to do in SharePoint and I went and learned how to do those things. <laughs> And then that you know gets the ball rolling and gets ideas, you into yeah. the into the bigger thing. Yeah. Yeah, we we uh, we ended up starting our people on the. Um, th there's a bunch of great resources out on the Power Apps uh, and Power Automate sites that you can like learning resources and stuff. And they're called App in a Day, which yes. is just phenomenal. And it's nothing what you're talking about here. It's basically like. You know, here's where everything is. Here's all the tools, and it kind of gets you familiar with the interface. And mm -hmm. you write a little, like few, a few formulas and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But th at the end, you you end up with a, a pretty cool app, and mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it just is enough to get you exposed. So I would recommend people start there, figure out mm -hmm. what they don't know, right? Get mm -hmm. familiar with the tool set. Get some ideas of what can get be Get some done. ideas for what you want to do and then reach mm -hmm. out to these other companies once you have mm -hmm. these specific questions because mm -hmm. it can save everybody a lot of time and effort, right? If you can mm -hmm. really focus in on the the hard stuff. Hey, I know I'm you know you're familiar with the tools. This is great. You don't it saves you from time to go, here's how you here's the toolbox, here's how you drag right. a text on right, the screen or whatever, you know. Yeah. And um we're we're seeing well, now that we're we're launching it and we're having like bi-weekly meetings with mm -hmm. with we're piloting it to about 150 users right now, 150 people. And um we're seeing like we have a showcase every two weeks or whatever, and we got one tonight um that uh where people come on and they they show their their apps and they're oh, cool. every like from the first week we had it up until the last week. I mean they Every time they come in, they come in and it, it, you can see their thought process evolving and their apps uh -huh. evolving and they're getting way more complex now with the things they're trying to do. And it's uh -huh. um, it's just amazing to see. And these people are typically not devs, right? They're, mm -hmm. they're just, they're like just regular people that, that are, you know, I, I like to, I don't want to say there is, there is, is kind of regular as, as the guy at Heathrow, right? That, that did the power mm -hmm. app kind of changed his life and right. stuff like that. But but they're, it's a very similar story, right? It's people yeah. that are they're solving problems that they, they know what the needs they, are. They know what they need and they're they're able to finally build it. And I think we're really fortunate that we're at a place right now in the technology world that this is possible. This is kind of the aspiration we've been we've been going for for you know since the since the 50s, the 1950s, right? Is is to be able to get solve problems with this stuff with just regular people and not have have to have the 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 propeller heads in there, you know, you know right. doing things. For yeah, them. so the yeah the people who know the needs and want to solve that, they just sometimes need help and guidance as to you know and, to as to what are some best practices or try this instead start. of that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, we, we had um, a, a customer recently with, with Enlightening 
uh, who, you know, he, he was totally confused because he's researching on the internet all these different things. And he's like, I, I, I don't even know where to start. And this was with, with SharePoint. And mm. uh, it's like, okay, well, he, he was starting to plan his site collections. And this is on a, a brand new Microsoft 365 tenant. If you've got a blank canvas now, you definitely don't want to be looking at building site collections, you know. But you know, that's that's all you see on the internet is, yeah. is well, we, you look we at site collections. Well, we, we were looking at different things. Some of the things I saw that was just I thought was tremendously inventive or or innovative was was the um, we had this one guy demo a couple of weeks ago that he he was on and he was trying to solve it. He was trying to get a certain look on his form and he wanted a like a specific shape to sh be shown when, you know, whatever status showed up. He wanted to, you know, I want to show this this shape or this icon or whatever. And uh, I was like, well, I was trying to think, okay, how did, how did you know, how did he do that? Because it was just a really cool looking shape. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, he, he was like, that's just an image. He goes, I just created it in PowerPoint and mm -hmm. I screen grabbed it, saved it as an image and uploaded it to my Power App. And I switched <laughs> the image, you know, with a, with a filter or whatever. And I was like, that's, I wouldn't, as a, as a, like, a person with a dev background, I would uh -huh. not even have thought that. But uh -huh. That's what he knew, right? That was the, uh -huh. he knew he had seen that in PowerPoint. Uh -huh. He wanted to show that in his power app. So he just screen grabbed it. I was like, genius. <laughs> you know? that is awesome. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. In fact, power, uh, PowerPoint has uh, saved a lot of graphic design costs recently with the whole design <laughs> ideas that they have. It's like, you just drop an image on there. It's like design ideas. Well, it's awesome. <laughs> screen grab. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Well, Rob, you've got a, a another meeting to go to in four minutes. I do. Sandy, do, do you have anything like you want to want to just drop on us and 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 kind of uh, in closing? Uh, no, I don't think so. Really, I. Uh, you don't give me. <laughs> You also have a podcast, right? Oh, that's true. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you can. Uh, another way to learn about Power Automate is to tune into the Flow Pro Show, which is a mostly monthly podcast uh, webcast, um, where um, me and my co-host Daniel Laskovitz from the Netherlands uh, talk about what's new in Power Automate, and we usually have a guest speaker. So, and usually somebody from Microsoft. So we've had like Charles Lamana on and Steven Siciliano, who are um, you know in charge of Power Platform and Power Automate at Microsoft. And and those have been really awesome sessions just to chat with them and find out like what is Microsoft's vision for the power platform. And I think our audience really enjoys that. So yeah. So right. what's for that? It's on Flow Pro Show channel on YouTube. That's the best place to find that. Well, that's fantastic. I would also recommend everybody follow you on Twitter. It's Sandy U. Yeah, Sandy and, U. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and everything. But well, thank you so much for your time today. It's it's been great. Um, Thanks, guys. I, 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 yeah, I know that uh, we we are gonna we are so close to being able to see each other all all of us <laughs> at, at a yep. conference. So I'm I'm so much looking forward to that. So I yep, uh, me too. You know, it's, I've missed all you guys. So <laughs> but yep, for the listeners and stuff, uh, you know, if you have any questions or comments, please uh, shoot us an email at info at techsplaining.net. And if uh, there's nothing else, I'll say we'll just close the show out. So thanks everybody for your time and and thanks for listening. Thank thanks. you. Bye. Thanks, Cindy. <laughs> sure.